Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, welcome to the happy hour. I'm your host, Jamie, and we are almost to the end of our series about loving the Lord, our God, with everything we have. And so you have made it. If you haven't heard all the other episodes, please go back and check them out because you're going to really, really want to hear them. Um, I believe that loving God with all that we have is hard work. I also believe it's better done in community, so I'm glad that you're here. This series is five parts. This is the fourth part of the series, all based on Luke chapter 10 and verse 27. When Jesus tells the people, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. We've had some fabulous guests on so far. And today, my friend Christy Anya Buele joins me and her and I today talk about loving God with our minds. Now, Christy is the perfect person to talk about this. She loves God and she loves studying his word. And she actually released a book recently called Literarily, How Understanding Bible Genres Transforms Bible Study. That just came out this year. I highly recommend you pick it up for your Bible study. The book and the conversation we have today a lot is talking about how the different genres of the Bible, how they help us know God more. They help us love him more. And our goal, friends, is to love God with our minds. And I hope that you're encouraged today by both of us kind of confessing about how we didn't always think that we needed to love God fully with our minds, that that was for other people. And I want you to know it is for all of us. If you have missed any of the other past shows, make sure you check them out about Loving the Lord with All Your Heart by our friend Scott Sauls, Loving the Lord with Your Soul by Trina McNeely. Last week, we had Loving the Lord with Our Body, Our Strength by Elisa Keaton. Next week, Derwin Gray joins us and we talk about loving our neighbor. And it is a fire show you do not want to miss next week. You guys, we also created some really great shirts to go along with these series that I I just love them so much. They're awesome for men and women. Both love them. Grab one for yourself or for a friend. Remember that loving God, it really takes courageous work, but we believe in you. To see all of the guests from this series, to buy yourself a shirt, and even find a coupon code for those shirts during the series, visit jamieivy.com slash lovegod. jamieivy.com slash lovegod. All right, friends, here is my conversation with Christy Anya Boyle. Christy, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I wish I was in a cooler spot than you. Like your setup is well, look you very look like, comfy. You look like you're in a library and I love <laughs> libraries. So that looks yeah. awesome. <laughs> library, aka messy office bookshelf situation. I love, I love it. I love it. Well, introduce yourself to all of my listeners. Tell them where you live, what you do, who you parent, who you're married to, all the things. Okay. I'm Christy. Hey. Last name, Anya Buile. Let's say it together. Anya Anya Buile. Buile. (laughs) It's a mouthful. Uh, But uh, I'm married to Thabiti Anya Buile. He is a pastor and we live in Washington, D.C., where uh, we minister in um, southeast corner of D.C. And it's Um, an underserved community, and we're happy to be here serving um, this particular population. And we uh, both are originally from North Carolina, 
we moved around a bit. Uh, we served in the Cayman Islands for a few years, suffering for Jesus. I know, on the right? You know? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then the Lord called us um, back here to the Washington, D.C. area to plant Anacostia River Church. And that was, we came back about eight years ago. And so, and our church is about seven, just turned seven years old uh, this year. So that's where we are. That's what we're doing. Uh, Thabiti and I have been married almost 31, no, yeah, 31 years Congrats. this year. And uh, we've been together 34, which is awesome. And we met as fresh at freshman orientation before we even started college. Oh, and I love that. We have three children, two adults, Afia, and who's 24, Eden is 22, and then our 15-year-old son, Titus, and he's all things, every sport, soccer, <laughs> basketball, all of track, it. all the things. I love it. Well, I have gotten the joy. And to- the dog, Justice, who you might... <laughs> hear or see. Okay. Well, I love dogs. So justice is welcome. Uh, I have had the opportunity to be with you and Thabiti this year earlier, earlier in the year, we were at a retreat together and Mm -hmm. sit under his teaching. And it was just such a blessing for me. And then I guess in 2021, uh, I was a part of Therefore, which we came up to DC and you brought some girls from your church there. And it was a super privilege of mine to be able Mm -hmm. to be a part of that. Um, And today, as the listeners know, we're in the series about loving the Lord your God with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, with our bodies. And and I want to talk to you today about loving God with our minds. And I want to set the scenario for you real quick. I have told this story before, uh, but I will tell it again. There was a season in my life, I'm a mom to four, my husband's a pastor, probably about maybe 15 years ago, maybe not even that long ago, <laughs> I'm probably giving myself a little bit of grace here, where I literally said to someone one time, why do I actually need to know about that in the Bible? Because I just trust Aaron. And that's my husband, Aaron. And saying that now, it makes my stomach kind of turn like, Jamie, like so many things, like you have a brain, use it and and you're smart and all the things. But -hmm. in the moment, loving God with my mind was something that I didn't value. And it's I'm not embarrassed by saying it because I think a lot of people have that journey. And I'm so grateful for the places that God has taken me and the courses I've been through and the classes and the seminars that I do love God with my mind. And I continually want to love him more with my mind. And Mm -hmm. you released a book called Literarily, How Understanding Bible Genres Transforms Bible Study. And so it's why I wanted to talk to you because you also believe that as women, Um, that we should love God with our mind. So first, I want to ask you this. Why even is it important that that we love God with our minds? I know. You know, I resonate with what you're saying a lot, particularly being married to a pastor, to one who has committed his life to study and teaching God's word. And as one who's not only, you know, his wife, but also a member of the flock, right? Uh So I need to be shepherded too. And so I think, you know, there's kind of this unique special relationship between um, husband and wife, who is also pastor and (laughs) member, where uh, it's easy for us, I think, to entrust our spiritual training to the shepherd whom God has given us, right? both as pastor and as husband. And so I think there's there's kind of a uniqueness there. 
Um, and so I, for a long time, I would kind of similar to you, just take a back seat to pretty much anything my husband said. I would ask him all the questions. What do you think about this? Why is this? You know, ask him all my Bible questions. And, um, and then honestly, he was kind of, the, you know, he kind of helped me to see how much I was mm. entrusting my spiritual nourishment to him rather than being nourished by God, yeah. by the Holy Spirit myself. And what he did mostly, I think, was to encourage me and ask me, he started asking me questions. And so, you know, in the beginning of our, you know, we, we, be, we became Christians at the same time. So we were kind of growing up in our understanding of God and his word together. Uh, but the BD is just like imbibing <laughs> <laughs> scripture, yeah. like by leaps and bounds. And I was a little intimidated by yeah. it, honestly. And then as the years went on, I just noticed he would ask me questions. Where in the Bible does it say this? So do you remember that mm. um, passage about this or that? And he would just start asking me um, questions about God's word and seeing him trust me in providing spiritual encouragement, wisdom to him really kind of gave me the confidence to do that more and more for myself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that's a little backstory for me. And I think to answer your question most directly, it's going to seem elementary my dear but it i think it's it is what it is the reason why it is so important for us to love god with our minds is because he gave us one there you go he gave us a mind he gave us the ability uh to know and to understand and to love him and his word tells us over and over again mm. that he this is an expectation that he has for us and it is a way for us in using our minds to understand the Lord, it gives us a greater capacity to even love him mm -hmm. and to follow him and to walk in obedience to his word. Yeah. Um, so that's a roundabout way of answering. The short answer is he gives us a mind. He wants us to use it. Exactly. And, and he wants us to use it most fundamentally and getting to know him and to love him more deeply and obey him more fully so, and joyfully. And joyfully. I love it because he did give us this mind the same way he gave us a heart and a soul and a body. And that's what we're talking about is how do we do yeah. all of this well? And I think I've said in every single show that loving God with everything that we have, our mind, everything. our body, our soul, yeah. heart is hard work and it is courageous mm -hmm. work and it is sometimes scary work. And it is sometimes work that you'd rather just be like, I don't have time for this. And I particularly think about loving God with our minds and being in God's word and reading his scripture oftentimes unfortunately can be one of the things that just goes to the wayside for people's yeah. lives because for a lot of different reasons that you and I could name a hundred today um, that sometimes people just kind of don't feel this need this desire this yearning towards knowing God um, in his word and and, you know, scripture is, says that the way we know God is through his word. Like if we want yeah. to know him more, we've got to be in his word. And so yeah. I want to hear from you some encouragement for that woman who's listening, who's like, I know I need to. I actually do want to. But gosh, I just find myself doing other things rather than reading God's word. What do you say mm -hmm. to her? Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. First of all. You're not alone. <laughs> I totally feel that. Um, I think one underutilized aspect of the Christian life uh, in relation to 
anything that we come to know and believe and have passion for uh, with God's word is I really think we underutilize um, the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so I think for me, you know, the difficulty comes in if I'm trying, if I know I need to do these things and I just feel like, I can feel like I don't want to for a number of reasons. I can feel like I don't want to because I'm really not equipped. I don't, I've never had any training or background or any sort of um, discipleship or guidance in how to approach God with my mind as a woman. Sometimes I don't want to because I've, I've been told I should not right? Like loving God with my mind isn't something that um, is in the realm of, you know, how I should be um, living my life for the Lord as a woman, right? So I, as a woman, oftentimes we're told, you know, you care for your children, you care for your spouse, you do all these practical things out there, God blesses it. And we kind of don't need to get into the deep theological weeds because I mean, really, who's going to use that in their parenting? And I can tell you one thing, one (laughs) thing you need to understand as a parent and apply, (laughs) you need to know some theology if you're going to parent your children well, you need to know something about who God is. Mm-hmm. You need to know something about um, how it is that we come to uh, saving grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to know something about um, the role of the Holy Spirit and how to live independence upon the mm-hmm. Spirit. We need to know those heart. How many of us have had our children come to us and ask us questions? You know, just random questions yep. about <laughs> you know about God or about the Bible or about the Christian life. And as parents, we can be stumped, mm. and particularly as women, if we have been told that that's not really important in terms of our role as a mom or a wife, um, then again, we may have some hesitancy in really approaching the Lord in this way. And so, I think as we grow in being reliant upon the spirit Mm. for the work that he's doing in us and really trusting that the Holy Spirit will give me what I need to know, Mm. then I don't have to be burdened with the weight of trying to do this on my own. I have help. So my encouragement to that woman is for you to know that you're not alone. It may feel like it, but you're not. The Holy Spirit lives in every believer and he will teach us and give us what we need in order to love the Lord with all of ourselves, including with our minds. Um, The second thing I was going to say related to your question is that there are other reasons why we find it difficult to love God with our minds. I think I mentioned it briefly, and that's discipleship there that many women have not really had opportunity or occasion to be to walk along with another Mm. woman who is more mature in the faith who is older than her who can kind of teach and guide her in the in the things of christ Um, and that's generational right so not only this generation but generations before we historically have not had a lot of training in the local church as women on how we relate to one another how we teach one another titus 2 is clear right And everybody knows Titus 2, 3 to 5, you know, that the older women are to train the younger women. But what we forget is Titus 2, verses 1 and 2, where Pastor Titus is charged uh, to teach sound doctrine and not just teach sound doctrine to the men in the church, but to teach sound doctrine to all the people of God in all of the church of God, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's the pastor's responsibility to be first in training 
not just men for ministry and pastoring and, and all those things, particularly in some circles that are more conservative, mm-hmm. but it's the pastor's responsibility to also train and disciple the older women in the church so that they are equipped to train and teach mm-hmm. the younger women. So right? And so um, that's the other thing that I would say is, is I would encourage that woman to find another woman especially, you know, like if you can in your local church who is older than you, and I mean older, like age wise, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and, or someone who is at least more mature than you in the faith, yeah. whom you can ask questions, you can read the Bible with, you can walk alongside her and, and who you believe God will um, use that woman to help you grow in loving God. Yeah with all your mind. Yeah. Um, and I don't, when I, the reason why I said, oh, and I mean age-wise as well, is because I think sometimes, particularly now in the age of church Technology, growth and uh-huh. church plants that tend to be very young, mm-hmm. that I think a lot, the older I get, the more <laughs> aware I am of this, that older people tend to disappear mm. in our churches today, um, or they're non-existent. You know, the church is full of 30 year olds and under, and they really, they desire it, but they don't have those older uh, women and men in their churches to train and disciple them. And so I do think that there's something unique about having someone, even if they're younger in the faith, who is physically, experientially older uh, than you are, whom God has given the same spirit to her that he's given to you. And even though she may not have theological backing and background and all of that, she has life experience that she's now living under the banner banner of Christ. Mm. And that will be so useful to you in your walk with the Lord. So don't just, don't just look for somebody who has some sort of theological background, who's has, um, you know, been to seminary Mm -hmm. or who knows how to use all the theological terms, but look for the old lady in the back of the room with her Bible (laughs) open every week, right? And get to know her and go have lunch with her and bring her uh, a meal or go for a walk with her and just learn um, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ as you walk together. um, I love that. You know, you talked about, you know, that we have the Holy Spirit and there's been many times in my life where, you know, I've sat down to spend time with God and it, it really is this moment of like, Spirit, I need you to just show me something. I need you to move. I need you to draw me close uh, to God. And that that is real. That is that is what we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit for is yeah. to help us and to lead us and comfort us. And so we can't ever discount that. I think a lot of times studying God's word can feel super scary because we're like, okay, what does Leviticus mean? And then we've got books by people's names. And then let's just read some Psalms for the day and maybe a Proverbs a day. And then we get to the New Testament and then there's these letters and and all of the things and it can feel super scary. And that's what you wanted to talk about in this newest book of yours is like that God's, the Bible, God's word is one big story. And so I want to hear from you. How does it change for us to comprehend the different genres in scripture? How does that help us love God more with our minds? Yeah, I, thank you for asking that question. I, I think about this a lot because of the book, but just because of life is that um, when I when I remember distinctly when I understood that the Bible was one story, and I was blown away. Growing up as a kid, I always thought it was individual stories, you know, like the story of David and Goliath, uh-huh. or the story of Jonah, or even the story of you know, Jesus and his incarnation and how he was born. And I just remember distinctly being led. It was actually through a Bible study 
uh, we were going through the book of Leviticus. Uh-huh. That sounds exciting. <laughs> through the book of Leviticus, where the teacher helped us to see that all of scripture pointed to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I was like, well, that certainly changes everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and what it did was that it helped me to see wherever I am in the Bible, and, and this is really, I'll tell you how it relates to genre in a second, um, how where I am in the pages of scripture relate to the bigger story, the bigger narrative, the meta narrative of scripture that, and wh- what it teaches me about the life, death, resurrection, mm. um, purpose of Jesus and, and his coming. And so what the genres do is that they walk us through that story. Mm. And so what I mean by genre, genre is just a category and yep. it's a category that helps us to organize things and helps us to make sense of it in, in some way. And so in the Bible, the, the categories are things like the law, the um, Old Testament narratives, the prophets, poetry, wisdom, mm. gospels, the letters or epistles, um, apocalyptic literature, those are kind of the, the big categories. And so as we walk through them systematically uh, through the scriptures, through the Bible, we get to see a part of that bigger story. Mm. So if I could unpack it real briefly, this just helps me so much in understanding God's word with my heart. And with, and so here's, before I kind of run through what I'm going to run through, the other thing I want to say, and I think it was um, John Piper, somebody who said this, he wrote a book called Think a long time ago, and it's really helpful on this topic. But he says something to the effect of how oftentimes we think that thinking is sort of an, um, an, enemy, an enemy of feeling or emotion, or it's an enemy of love. Like if we focus so much on feeling and emotion and thinking that it is is somehow an obstacle to our love. And I would say that thinking and feeling are agents that God uses Mm. to help us deepen our love for him. And so uh, when I look through at the genres and painting that big narrative, here's what I see. So we have the first five books of the Bible. Those are the uh, the law books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. <laughs> yep. Those are the first five books. Law is not so much concerned with rules per se, as it is instruction. So that word Torah, mm-hmm. where we get law from, it means instruction, teachings, right? And so these are teachings from the Lord to his people helping them to see what his expectations are, Mm. how he expects them to live as his people. And so, yes, the the teaching that he gives to them, it engages every aspect of their lives, including their minds, their actions, what they think, how they believe, how they practice. And so the law books are the instructions of God, his expectations for his people. Mm. Then we have uh, the Old Testament narratives and narratives are stories. And so in these Old Testament narratives that start with um, Judges and goes all the way to Esther, um, those narratives are painting for us a picture of how God's people 
uh, respond to his instructions, the lived experience mm. of God's people in response to his instructions. And so we see places in the narratives where people are faithful to God, where certain kings were faithful to God, where certain individuals were faithful to God. But then we also see how they strayed away from God's word, how they they did not live in the way that God mm. expected them, them to. And so those are the narratives. Then we get to the poetic books. And the poetic books and the wisdom books are both responses to God's instructions as well, where in the poetry books, we see God's people responding to his instructions through song and prayer and liturgy, through lament and through praise and thanksgiving, those kinds of things. And then we see, um, it, it, I said song, hopefully, mm-hmm. because the Psalms are songs. Yes. And then we also see God's people in the wisdom books are showing us um, how God expects his people to live mm-hmm. wisely in the world. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in the book of Job, how are God's people expected to live wisely in the midst of suffering? Mm-hmm. Or we get Song of Solomon, living wisely in in our romantic mm-hmm. relationships. Or, um, say... Uh, Proverbs, living wisely as in, in, in every circumstance and area of life. Yeah. Um, and so those are the responses there. Then we get to the prophets, the major prophets, which are the larger books like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then the minor prophets like Jonah, Habakkuk, Hosea, those ones. Uh, and the prophets are reminding God's mm. wayward people of his instructions yeah. by telling them, hey, this is remember what God said. This is what He expects of you. Y'all are wilding out. You're not <laughs> Y'all are wilding out. To. And so yes. And so if you if you continue in disobedience, here are the consequences for that. But God has better for you. Mm-hmm. And they hope. And the prophets also hold out hope for the people of God for that remnant who would remain faithful to God's instructions. Then we move up to the New Testament. We have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is God's instructions embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. So the one person who perfectly obeyed all the law of God, who did exactly what God expected him to do, who never wavered, who never sinned. And and so we see Jesus lifted up as the perfect Mm -hmm. embodiment of one who could live up to all the expectations that God set down for us, even back in the law books. Then the epistles are how God's how, how God, how the new people of God, the church, how the church is expected to live under God's instructions. And then we have the apocalyptic books. And those are um, God's people now able to live perfectly under his instructions by giving us that vision of the future. Mm-hmm. What's the, what is it going to look like? What is it going to be like in the end when God's people can fully and finally live mm-hmm. under his instructions in the way that he expected us to from the beginning. And so for me, having looking at each individual genre, mm-hmm. and for example, if I'm in the book of First Samuel, then I know where I am in that grand story. Yeah. I mm-hmm. know that I'm in the place in First Samuel where God's people, uh, well, I see the lived experience of God's people under his instructions, and I'm seeing two things. I'm seeing those who live faithfully, and I'm seeing those who lived unfaithfully, and how God God responds mm. to each and what he expects of me in light of that. Yeah. And so I think the genres just make it 
uh, accessible for us to see where we are in that story um, and then to see how we apply our lives in light of where we are in that in that grand story. So I hope that all makes sense. Uh, um, but I think it makes it exciting to study in light of the biblical genre, um, because again, they tell us where we are and they help us to know how to live in light of of God's instructions. It is so helpful and to see that this one big book is made up of all these different parts and how as you're reading one, it helps you understand what am I reading right now? This is this is the the law. This is the book of these are teaching. Uh, these are our wisdom. These are the gospels when Jesus walked. It does help us to see the context um, and how yes. it was written, who was written, all those things that matter. But it also helps us if I'm in the Proverbs, mm-hmm. for example, I know that that's wisdom literature, and I know that that's not, uh, those are not generally passages that I am to take literally, but I can read them literarily, understanding what wisdom literature does. Mm -hmm. And I know that these are general truths that apply in in most cases, but I know these are not commands or these are not promises of God that I can hold on to tightly but their general proverbial wisdom that I can use to guide my life. Right. Mm. So then I don't get flipped out when I read, you know, train up a child the way he should go when he's old. That's he exactly what I was going to bring up. Out, and <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how can that be when the Bible says uh-huh. that when, you know, they won't depart and then yeah. they do depart. Then how do I, you know, well, if I read that literally in the, in this particular type of literature, I'm not reading it properly. Right. Whereas if I'm reading, you know, uh, if I'm reading history, Mm. then, you know, again, it's giving me a different kind of category and I'm better able to apply um, what it is that I'm reading, like you said, in context and say, okay, this is what was happening to the people of God in that historical moment. So if I want to enter into that conversation, I have to, or that story, I have to enter in as an ordinary Israelite as, Mm. you know, so how would an ordinary Israelite have understood this particular part of their history? How would they have responded? And then I can better understand how I am to respond today in light of that. Uh, So I'm glad you said that because it just changes everything in terms of how we read scripture and making sure that we're reading not only in context, but that we're reading it uh, um, literarily, considering the literary types that are common in that Mm. particular genre you know i i just want everyone who's listening to be encouraged like this is not a like get a checklist and check off every day that you've read your bible or actually a bad person or or you don't love god with your whole mind but i want it to be where like man god draw me close to you i want to be um, engaged in your word i want to know you more i want to understand these literary genres of this amazing book that you've given us uh, the, your your living word, your active word that is here for mm-hmm. us. And so it is just a moment as you're listening to think, man, what is my heart's desire? And is my heart's desire to know God more? We have a yeah. beautiful way to do that by knowing his word. And mm-hmm. I'm going to put in the show notes, I'm going to put a link to your book, Christy. I'm going to put a link to a lot of other helpful resources that have been a help for me and a help for you as we've been on this journey of following Jesus, uh, because resources are beautiful and good and they help us. Um, mm-hmm. But the number one thing, if, if you hear anything from either one of us today is like you can read Chrissy's book you can read you can order all the resources I'm going to give give you but really what God wants is he just wants you to meet with him and he wants you to be in his word and know him and I know it feels scary Christy and I are both going we know it feels scary Uh, we also know that the return on that investment is it's unimaginable and it is it also returns later when you need it
it. Like, you know, you talk yeah. about reading Job and seeing how Job walked through suffering. You can read that in a time when life feels really, really great. And you're like, yeah. huh, really stinks for Job. And I'm just saying, I've lived long enough to know that it's going to be your turn one day when it's going to be a right. really, really terrible situation. And you have that foundation to stand on to see the way that Job reacted to suffering um, by still mm -hmm. praising God in the midst of it. So, Christy. Thank you so thank you so much uh, for writing this thank book. You. Thank you for everything that you and your husband are doing up in DC. We're just cheering you on and thanks for letting us talk today about loving God with our minds. Thank you. Likewise, it's a joy. All right, y'all, as you've heard from the last two episodes, we are still celebrating all summer long that we've hit 500 episodes over at the happy hour. And if you heard in the 500th episode, my team surprised me with some congratulations from some very dear friends of mine who have been on the show before. And so we're keeping the party going all summer long. Here is another congratulations. Jamie, it is Ellie Holcomb, and I am just so grateful that you have said yes over and over again to showing up in an authentic way uh, to being genuinely one of the most incredible uh, interviewers that I've ever experienced. You care about people. People feel seen uh, when they're with you. And I think people feel seen when they listen to you. I felt that on both ends, being interviewed and then listening in to other interviews that you've had. So thank you for that. And thank you for also loving your family and others so beautifully um, and publicly for all of us to peek in on and, um, and benefit and learn from. I love you, friend. And God bless you. Cheers to 500 episodes. Oh my gosh, my sweet friend Ellie Holcomb. I remember when I interviewed her, we were in a hotel room in Nashville, Tennessee. I was there, I think at the Opryland Hotel. I was at a conference and I was speaking and I believe it might have been the first time I met Ellie Holcomb in person. Oh, I hope I'm not miss, misspeaking there. But anyhow, it was the first deep conversation we had and Ellie went deep and talked about depression and it was so... Um, eye-opening for a lot of listeners who said, man, I see these two women having a very vulnerable conversation about depression. Maybe I too can talk about my mental health. And so Ellie, I love you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to give you, and every opportunity we get to point all of us to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is the number one way that people find out about our show. It's because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that will make us think, they'll make us laugh, and they'll always point us back to Jesus. And come find me other places on the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm over there at Jamie Ivy. And if you've never visited my YouTube page, you're going to want to go there. Have you ever listened to a show and wondered, I wonder what they look like? Well, go find us over there. It's jamieivy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Graphics are by Amaya Savoy Easton. The show is edited by Angie Elkins. And I'm your host every week, Jamie Ivy. And goodness gracious, I love being here with you guys. Until next time, have a happy hour with a friend. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get 
stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com.